Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Thoughtbox. <laughs> so, I just got out of the shower, and I wanted to do a little bit of self-care today. So, we have the serums, and the lotions, and the potions, and all that good stuff that you start using when you hit 30, and you start worrying about fine lines and wrinkles. And I pumiced my feet. So interesting and attractive. I also um, got this new little like cloth roller thing for when your hair is wet. I saw it on TikTok and I had to get it. And so I have my hair up. And you know, I just, it's been a while. So I didn't have much to do today. And since I'm just kind of taking it easy and, you know, I mean, there's, not much going on in the world right now. I mean, it's been kind of tame lately. Just kidding. Of course, there's a reason that I'm here. And that's because of Roe versus Wade. Um, it's been a hot button topic for a while now, actually. But I think a lot of people, a lot of men <clears throat> or people maybe who don't find the, um, criminalization of abortion as a big deal um they've not really been worried about it or they've kind of minimalized it silently kind of passing through the court um for months now um I remember when I first heard about it in December of last year that you know there was like whisperings the possibility of it actually happening and I remember noting it in my mind and thinking to myself, there's no way that could happen, right? I mean, we are, <clears throat> if anything, there's a lot of things wrong with the U.S., but I would like to think that the U.S. has been relatively progressive in the past couple of years. And with all the movements that have been happen happening, like, you know, Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement and Stop Asian Hate and you know, things for, you know, gay rights, trans rights, you know, and the leaps and strides that we've made in those categories. <clears throat> and you'll have to excuse me. It is allergy season around here. So if I'm a little froggy, you just, you're just going to have to excuse that. Um, but when I heard about it, I, there was a, a slight panic because, you know, when something applies to you, when you fall into that bracket of whatever um, law is trying to be overturned, you worry a little bit more. And I remember about a month ago, um, the whispers became talk and it seemed like it was a very real possibility that it was going to be overturned. And I remember talking to my husband, Jackie, about it. And understandably, I was worried, a little panicked, <laughs> a little upset, and he tried to reassure me with the same things that I tried to reassure myself with, that America has been progressive, and with the Me Too movement and all of the strides that we've made as women in this country, even though there's more fight, there's always more fight, more things to fight about, more things to fight for, but... The, the trajectory looked so much better 
and there was more faith there. So he tried to reassure me and little, (laughs) little to no avail on that. And then sure enough, a month later, um, I read that it had been overturned. And for the past few days, I've spent a lot of time trying to become as well-versed as possible, although there's so much information on the subject that it's hard to know everything. And it's hard to know what is going to apply state to state because some states have already made it illegal or banned it or criminalized it. Other states are trigger states waiting for it to be um, illegal um, within a matter of 30 days. And Tennessee is one of those states. So if you're in Tennessee, um, this definitely applies to you. And if I just do a quick search here, I've got my Chromebook out and I have some articles pulled up that I want to talk about. Um, simply because I don't want to just go off of the stuff that I've read and try to, um, put out good information or correct information just from memory alone. There are certain like, um, articles that I have pulled up to touch on. So while I have it pulled up here on my little Chromebook, oh, she is efficient. Let's see. So there are going to be 13 states, um, that are considered trigger states. And I'm going to try to find now, here we go, um, what those states are. So um, wherever you're listening in the U.S., you can kind of get a better idea if, if you don't know already or maybe you haven't really looked into it. Because, you know, a lot of, I know that when things like this happen, um, especially because we're coming out of the fatigue of a pandemic and we're still dealing with that. It's not eradicated by any means. Um, we're still trying to rebuild after the pandemic as far as jobs and labor shortages. And, you know, um, there's already so much unrest when it comes to so many other different things that aren't even related to this, that I can understand if you haven't looked into it. And I can understand if you've actively been trying to avoid it because sometimes you just need a break and that's okay. Um, especially with all, of the shitty news happening in the world. I mean, there's there's a point where you gotta, you know, chill out for a while and maybe watch some TikTok or, you know, just rot your brain on, you know, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever your, you know, social media poison is. Um, you know, that's okay. I think a lot of people want to berate those who are not educating themselves. Um maybe because of that reason. And I think it's important for us to have grace with other people, um, to be patient in this time because, you know, we all handle these type of things differently. We all handle fear differently. We handle confrontation differently or being faced with something that, um, is our new reality that we don't like, or that scares us. Anyway, um, I do have the 13 states pulled up here. So these are the 13 states that are going to have laws that would ban or halt abortions um, with the overturn of Roe versus Wade. So we have Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, which Missouri, Lord, we're going to talk about Missouri. 
they, they're really doing some damage right now. And I'm so concerned for the people living in Missouri and Texas. Um, those are the two that I know the most about. I know this is, again, fast moving. So I know I'm sure things are changing so quickly. I'm just trying to stay updated. But we also have um, North Dakota. We have Oklahoma. We have South Dakota. We have good old Tennessee, the volunteer state. We have Texas, Utah, and Wyoming. So... Those are the 13 states that have laws that are going to ban or halt abortions. Now, <clears throat> a lot of um, things that I've been seeing on mainly Facebook, um, questions that I've seen being asked, um, what does it mean? You know, what, what does Roe versus Wade mean for everybody, for women? And <clears throat> a lot of people think that this is just about abortion and it's not um we're talking about many things that are being put in place and it is going to vary from state to state but for example um something that is covered underneath roe versus wade because it is an umbrella law which means that it it protects numerous things right so um one of the things that is covered are people with disability um, not being discriminated against and being protected during their pregnancy, um, which I do have an article here that um, talks about a lady, her story that she shared. So here we go. Um, it says here, disabled people are at high risk of being in a situation where they would need access to an abortion. Understandably so, right? I think we all can agree with that. According to a survey conducted by the Bureau of Justice Statistics, disabled people were over three times more likely than non-disabled people to experience sexual assault. And likelihood increases for people with multiple disabilities. Now, I, don't, I think it goes without saying, but the reason this would be is because when someone would be considered, I don't want to use the word helpless, but when you're entrusting, when you cannot possibly take care of yourself and someone is taking care of that person and they essentially have dictation over that person's life, that does give a certain amount <clears throat> of power to that person and we all know that I mean there's many phrases about going mad with power drunk with power um I think we've seen that in our government we've seen that with celebrities and you know on a much smaller scale being put in charge of someone else can make you feel like you're invincible that that person doesn't have a voice because you're the one taking care of them so I can see why that would definitely those statistics reign true um, <clears throat> says here that there was a, a woman, her name is Ives-Rubley, I don't know, um, that's her last name, her first name is Mia, so Mia Ives-Rubley, um, it says here that she didn't know she'd be able to carry a pregnancy to term due to her short stature, low lung capacity, and brittle bone disease, and it has the name of the disease, but I know that I'm gonna butcher it, I think it's um, osteogenesis imperfecta and it says um, she's quoted saying if I'm not able to have an abortion and if I accidentally get pregnant that could have a significant impact to my health 
That's a huge concern for me as an individual who is continuing to focus on my career and as a person who wants to have a choice in the matter. Wow. She's really asking for a lot there to want to focus on her career and have a choice over her own body. That's, yeah. It's crazy how people are so outraged by this. And yet when we look at these individual stories and we stop thinking of the stereotypes that have been beaten into our head over the years that abortion is a bad thing or that it's a scary thing or it's a hush-hush thing. We start looking at these people who have very real concerns. It's not like, I mean, I've heard over and over again that from certain men that, you know, women just want to go get a, an abortion willy-nilly like they're picking up a new pair of shoes. And, you know, the fact is, is that no woman wants to get an abortion. Majority of the time, this is something that happens because of things like disabilities or, <clears throat> you know, certain pregnancies that are high risks, um, case of rape, incest, you know, things like that. And I think that it's common sense. We know these things and a lot of people even agree, you know, well, in cases of rape and incest, I don't agree. You know, I think that, you know, abortion should be allowed in that, you know, in that, um, what am I thinking of in those uh, circumstances, right? But the issue is, is that a lot of these states are not allowing people to have abortions, even in cases of rape and incest. So, I mean, <clears throat> there's numerous stories that I've read where you have, you know, an eight-year-old girl who has been raped by someone in her family and she has started her period, so she is able to have children. She's able to get pregnant. And, you know, these kids are being turned away. And they're being expected to birth a child when they are a child themselves. And that's exactly the type of situation that Roe versus Wade was protecting. Now, are there women out there who use abortion as a type of birth control who knows and I don't even know like what the statistics are as far as abortion and how often you can have them I would assume that there is some sort of like resting time like turnaround time before you can have another abortion I'm not I'm not completely sure but <clears throat> the fact that these women and people who are fighting against this and are pro-life, they are, <laughs> they're thinking that women just want to, you know, have abortions all willy-nilly. And that's just not the case. Also, love willy-nilly. I think I'm going to start using that. That's going to be the word of the day today, willy-nilly. Let's see if I can sneak it in another time. Um, so... Here we go. Um, we have another story in the same article that talks about um, knowing that I have the option to make the right choice for my body at any given moment is something that I don't think should be too much to ask for. Mm, we talked about that. But knowing that it could very easily be taken away in a world where I already have to fight for respect and agency and autonomy when it comes to engaging with medical professional, professionals is a very frightening thing. And this, again, 
is talking about um, Emily Ledoux, who is disabled. Another um, story in this article, and she says that um, she has a lot of privilege in such situations as a white woman and someone who can verb verbally articulate their needs, which is not a privilege that everyone in the disability community has. Um, it says here, uh, and they speak of an instance of someone else who was rushed to the hospital after experiencing uh, bleeding and pain at work. And she was too overwhelmed to verbally communicate what was happening to her, to her doctors. She relied on her coworker to explain that she had had a medication uh, abortion weeks earlier. She believes that doctors found it weird that her coworker was speaking for her and questioned whether she had cognition to communicate with them. Reflecting on their abortion and emergency room visit weeks later, um, she said that they experienced a lot of pain and were inadequately treated due to their race and disability. After they had the medical abortion, the doctor declined to examine them, even though that is standard protocol. They even remembered the doctor telling them that the termination was for the best because the pregnancy had probably resulted in some sort of mutation. Wow, that's offensive. That is very offensive. I can't believe that doctor said that. I actually can believe that, to be honest. I don't... <clears throat> I mean, I've read so many stories at this point. It's almost insane. The things that these people go through and how these doctors speak to these patients. So, as far as um, what Roe Ro versus Wade protects, getting back on that subject, protects people with disability, and <clears throat> there's just a few stories in this article here that kind of point out, this was before Roe was in place, and this was while Roe uh, Road, Road is in place, sorry, this is while Roe was in place as well. Um, it also protects your right to ask for um, a C-section if during the pregnancy you're experiencing com complications. Um, it protects against miscarriages and not being criminally charged by having a miscarriage um, with manslaughter and possibly facing jail time. And I mean, you know, that's also like a felony. So it would also impact a woman's right to vote if she were to have a miscarriage and was prosecuted for that. And <clears throat> that's actually something something that's happening in Missouri. So let me pull up the article about Missouri here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Here we go. Um, so while presenting his bill that would outlaw chemically induced abortions and abortion pills, Missouri State Rep Brian Seitz, S-E-I-T-Z, for those who want to know, appeared to express openness for a future bill calling for the death penalty for abortion providers. Seitz made the comments after Representative Wes Rogers highlighted the severity of punishment in the bill, which goes up to a Class A felony. 
minimum of 10 years imprisonment and a maximum of 30 years to life in prison for having an abortion. And it says here that it's a very serious issue what we're talking about, what I would consider to be the murder of an infant in the womb and the possible harm and even the cause of death if they're using these drugs in an illegal manner. It could potentially kill the woman. Now, the thing is, is that abortions have a very low rate of complication. And again, Missouri is also one of the states that is not making exceptions for cases of rape and incest. Okay, so they're not just talking about someone who just wants to get an abortion for no apparent reason, even though realistically you should be able to have complete control over your body and what happens to your body as a woman. And there are no laws in place currently that restrict men and the autonomy over their own body. And I think that's something that a lot of people are talking about, but needs to be brought up more that if men were being forced to have vasectomies or if men were even being forced to pay child support at the moment of conception, you know, which, you know, let's say they find out at like five weeks and, you know, child support were to kick in right then, say if the couple was separated and they were on the hook for that child up until the age of 18 for child support, I think there would be a different song and dance right now. Or if men were able to be charged with mass murder, being a serial killer, because you have the capability of impregnating a one woman, like, actually, if you really think about it, multiple women in just one day. And if you did that every day, how many children that you would be responsible for compared to a woman who can only have one baby a year? So it seems very odd that... If the issue truly is about children and saving children, that there should be laws in place for men as well. And the recklessness that a lot of these men have when it comes to how capable they are of recklessly producing children. And how a lot of times, even in situations where a woman and a man are together, whether, you know, they meet at a club or a bar or, you know, they meet up on a date or like whatever. And a man pressures a woman to have sex. Oftentimes men don't want to wear condoms. So, you know, they're like, oh, I mean, we've all heard the excuses. Oh, they're uncomfortable. Oh, you know, well, you know, I'll pull out. I'll do this. I'll do that. Whatever. You know, it's all this different stuff. And women are put in a compromising position always in that situation because, we're worried about your reaction if we say no. And we're worried if we maybe don't even want to have sex in the first place. If we say no, what will happen? So the fact that in cases of rape, people who are being charged with rape, the penalty for an abortion resulting of a rape is way harsher than the rapists themselves. So really, in my opinion, what I'm hearing here, when I read this, especially Missouri, I mean, pray for Missouri right now, there is really not much incentive for men not to rape women there. And there's really not much incentive 
for incest like not to happen within these families because even if the child does get pregnant and they go to get you know a rape kit done and they find out that they're pregnant they are going to be stuck with that decision and a child is not something that you want to be stuck with a child is something that is a living breathing human being once it is born and that is your responsibility until I mean forever forever and it's so sad that these people who say that they're pro-life are not worried about the actual quality of life of these children that will result from this law being overturned and the children that will end up in foster care and the horror stories of our broken system in foster care that children who have a good life in foster care that's the exception it's not the rule a lot of children are forgotten they're used up they're not taken care of they're not loved and they're spit out after they turn I don't even think it's 18 I know like in, in I think in foster care you can be released in certain states at 16 and you know these people who are taking on these children oftentimes are doing it for the money they're not even doing it for the children and they're giving them the bare minimum and the fact that we already have a system that is so broken we do not have universal health care we don't have any type of protection in place for pregnant women for young pregnant mothers to ensure that they can have the things that they need and the support that they need whether it be financially or through therapy or whatever the case may be medically they don't have anything hardly in place other than like what WIC you know like government housing maybe and that's if you're not on a waiting list but you know we really need to look at the term pro-life and really think about what we're asking of these women and these people with uteruses that may not as identify as women even what we're asking of them to do and for the men out there or the people who have not been <laughs> plagued with having a uterus and worrying about pregnancy or any of this stuff I hope that nothing has ever happened to you such as rape or incest in your in your own family in your own circle I hope that's never happened to you and I've hope I hope that you've never had to worry about that and I think it's kind of crazy that now there's a bill that almost advocates for it and punishes these women for something that they cannot control and they could not help regardless of whatever you want to say about you know what she was wearing or you know she was asking for it blah 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 come on come on wake up hey no that's not going to work here no more it's not going to work here <sighs> very very sad okay so um, Missouri, like I said, you know, they have the stuff in place. Um, 
about, you know, the cases of rape and incest where they're not covered under um, the abortion exemption. Um, and there's also something else that has currently, like, recently developed. I mean, all of this has been in, like, the past few days, but I just heard about this. Um, Missouri is wanting to sue anyone who helps a Missouri resident obtain a, an abortion out of state. So there's been a lot of talk, and I think a lot of people have been, um, and I think it's very noble, but I also think it's something that people don't understand that in using social media, um, women have to be very careful about the solutions that they're trying to provide to the people who are in these states and they feel hopeless and they feel like they do not have, um, alternatives. So, you know, and there's this big thing going around about going camping and, you know, going camping in these states that have, um, no abortion criminalization in them and wanting to offer a place to stay for people who need an abortion. Um, and you know, Missouri and other places that are outlawing abortion, they're picking up on that and they have people doing research. They, they are going to combat these things and it's going to be very, very, very difficult, um, for these people who live in these states to, to get the help that they need. And, you know, there is some serious, uh, charges that are going to come with it if you assist them. So, you know, that's something, sometimes it's the price that you pay. Um, but I just want to make people aware of that, that they are actually putting laws in place now to also sue people who are trying to assist, um, helping Missouri residents or these other, um, states in trying to get abortions out of state. So, the next thing is, um, I wanted to touch on something that I think is very interesting that a lot of people have been, um, talking about. And I think it's kind of, um, again, it's obviously not something that you can, um, know as true, but it's one of those things where it's like, Hmm, the puzzle pieces are coming together here and it does make a lot of sense. And one of those things is something called the replacement birth rate. So the replacement birth rate, um, is 2.1 children per women, which I've always found it funny when they have like a decimal percentage, like a decimal amount of like 2.1. It's like, what is the point one? Are we talking about like Joey and Bobby? And then like, we have a growth coming out of Bobby's neck. That's like a hand. And that's like the one point, the point one percent. I've just always wondered what the point one should be. But it does say here that the replacement birth rate is 2.1 children per woman. So if the birth, the birth rate is lower than this, the population decreases, obviously, which also leads to a decline in the workforce. So like um, the workers that are entering into the workforce. And the replacement birth rate has been on a decline for a very long time. Um, it's not, it didn't just happen during the pandemic, even though there was a huge dip in the pandemic, um, when it came to, you know, millennials and the like having children, right? Because we were in a state of uncertainty, rightly so, and no one was working, you couldn't work. And, you know, I mean, even before in the inflation and housing and groceries and all this stuff that we're experiencing now, you know, housing was still something that was, you know, very difficult 
for a lot of, I'll say millennials, even though I know it goes past that, just speaking as a millennial myself and hearing my friends and, you know, people that are in my age range, you know, it's like a dream to be able to own your own house and to get to a point where you feel financially comfortable enough to have a child because children are expensive. And, you know, a lot of people are also focusing on furthering their education. Women are staying in school a lot longer than they used to, which leads to a lot of debt. And, you know, that's another pressure on, you know, these women and men who maybe want to have children, but don't. Um, simply because, you know, they're trying to go to school to get into better jobs so they can afford children, so they can afford houses, but then they get out of college and they're like crippled with debt. So it's kind of like, you know, a catch 22 in a, in a sense, because you're doing something to get to a certain point, but that same aspect that you're using to try to get to a certain point is also hindering you even more. Um, but back to the replacement birth rate, it's actually kind of funny because ironically immigration like immigrants in the country have prevented the difference in the declining birth rate um the birth replacement rate which is around 1.6 so like there was a statistic that i read that roughly around 60 percent of the new births in the country last year were from immigrants so you know, with people saying that they want immigrants out of the country and they're actually aiding in the, the issue that we're having with the replacement birth rate in order to have, um, future workers in the labor force. So another thing too, um, that I wanted to touch on is minimum wage and adjusted for inflation. So as of right now, let's play like a little game, a little mini game of who wants to be a millionaire. Now, obviously, there are a lot of people who do not work for minimum wage now, and there's probably a lot of people, especially older people, and I know this personally because I've asked older people, what do you think minimum wage is right now? And they had no idea. So let's play a little game. What is the current federal minimum wage? Is it A, 1025, B, 925? C, 825, or D, 725? Well, if you guess D, then you're correct, and you've won your ass a brand new car. Yeah, <laughs> it's 725. A lot of people don't know that, that it's still that low. And it says here that minimum, the federal minimum wage is actually stagnated. Um, to 7.25 an hour since 2009 and we're in 2022 <sighs> and it says here that if we were to adjust the minimum wage to account for the productivity that has increased in the workforce we would be at let's see here we go it would now be at over $24 an hour. Can you imagine a $24 an hour minimum wage? And it says here um, that a couple who worked 
full-time at minimum wage jobs would take home $96,000 a year. And that Baker also calculates, which is the guy in the article that I'm reading here. I know I'm jumping around a lot. Just bear with me. Um, that by 2025, rising productivity would bring the minimum wage close to $30 an hour. Wowee. Could you imagine? And the thing is that I also want to mention is that a lot of people who do not work in, um, whatever you want to call them, essential jobs, minimum wage jobs, um, things such as like, you know, fast food or, um, just like the lower paying positions that don't require a skill level in order to enter into the job. Um, a lot of people who haven't worked in those jobs in a really long time or have worked really hard to get where they're at, maybe they work in like a factory, maybe they work in the medical field, maybe they went to college and they have a job pertaining to whatever they studied in college in that field. Um, and they're making, you know, great money, right? You know, like you're making 24, 30, $40 an hour. And I've heard this specifically with some factory workers at certain places that start out at like 25 an hour, 20 an hour, 30 an hour. And when I talk to them about this, because this is something that has been an issue for a long time. And I don't know why people are not more concerned about it. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's something that I want to cover as far as like, I feel like all of us have been in a state of like apathy for a couple of years now. And I think that's the reason that this was able to happen so swiftly. And now people are upset because it's happened. But we, there's a certain type, a certain group of people who have been bringing up these issues for a long time. And I think because there has been so much fear in the world and there's been so many things going wrong that these other issues that were very real that needed to be addressed kind of got pushed to the wayside because we had like fatigue from all of it. It's just like, you know, they talk about like choice fatigue where like if you go into a restaurant or like a uh, ice cream shop and there's like 50 flavors to choose from, there's all these different combinations and toppings and, you know, uh, different cones or bowls or, you know, whatever that you can choose. It's going to take you so much longer to make an actual decision and not just pick something because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just so overwhelmed by the choices. As opposed to if you walked into an ice cream shop that say had 10 flavors and two cone options and five topping options, something that's a little bit more manageable for your mind to calculate like exactly what you want. That's a lot of the reason, like say something on an even more relatable scale when you think about like Netflix, right? There's tons of memes about how like you sit down with your food to watch something on Netflix and by the time that you can actually choose something to watch, your food's cold because there's so many options on Netflix for you to choose and it just depends on the mood that you're in. It depends on what you're wanting to watch and then there's subcategories and you know all this different stuff, right? So that's kind of you know the same thing when it comes to um I lost my train of thought. 
see this is what happens to me I'll be like on a roll and then it's like my brain it's like I have like ADHD and <laughs> I start talking and I completely forget um hopefully maybe it'll come back to me in a minute but you know this is I'm not I'm not gonna be I'm not hey you come here you come here for it we talk about it together i'm doing the best i can i'm trying to be a professional here for fuck's sake i got my chromebook out and i've got all these tabs pulled up i'm I'm trying to give you some informed information here you know I'm, I'm doing the best i can okay this isn't this isn't the big million dollar production i'm just sitting here in my art room drinking a topo chico you know with my hair and rollers and i'm you know just you know trying to get some information out there so hopefully we got to a point there <laughs> um yeah so what we were talking about the minimum wage oh remember now came back to me so what I was going to say is that there are a lot of workers talk about um that are in these positions already where they're making $20 an hour $24 an hour $30 an hour and I've asked them like well what do you think when I tell you that based on inflation and the productivity in the US that the minimum wage realistically should be at around $24 an hour. And this was going on during the fight for 15. And if you don't know what that is, just a short synopsis, uh, minimum wage workers during the pandemic and after the pandemic were fighting for a minimum wage of $15 an hour. And a lot of people thought it was insane and that, you know, they can't get my order right at McDonald's, but they want $15 an hour. And what I tell people is that you're punching down at the wrong people. You're saying, I'm making $24 an hour. I don't want people that work at McDonald's making $24 an hour. Instead of punching down at those workers and keeping them down, keeping them lower at the, the $7.25 or whatever it was, the minimum wage. I can't even remember now. I think it was like $7.25. Uh, this is somewhere around in there. Um, keeping them at that minimum wage. You need to be looking up. At the people above you who are dictating your wages and saying, you know what? You're right. Currently where I'm at, I live a relatively comfortable life, but I am not thriving by any means. You know, like most people here working in these factory jobs, especially if they have kids and stuff like that, they're getting by and they're comfortable, but you know, it's minimum wage. Minimum wage literally means the wage needed in order for someone to live a sustainable living, like to have a sustainable living. So $24 an hour, if you're living comfortably and you're not having to worry about where you're going to get your food next or that if you have to choose between your gas and your light bill or if you had to choose between, you know, feeding your children and, you know, gas in your car, like that means that you are at a minimum wage level that allows you to have a sustainable living. And that's where everyone should be at. There is no reason that anyone should experience food insecurity when they're working 40, 40 hours a week. There's no reason that someone should not be able to put gas in their car to go to work when they work 40 hours a week. None of these things should be happening. There is no reason that people should not have access to preventative health care before things get out of hand. You know, being able to catch these serious illnesses or whatever the case may be, early by doing preventative routine healthcare checks with a primary doctor instead of using the ER as a fail-safe. This should, this should all be basic human rights and necessities that we all need in order to live. 
And I never thought that I would ever be in a situation where I would have to point that out to someone. So you shouldn't be upset with the minimum wage workers who are asking for enough money to sustain a life to afford their bills. You need to be looking up at the the people who are dictating your wages, the people who are taking these huge cuts of profit and giving you, even you, giving you pennies based on what you're actually worth for your skilled work and your skilled labor and the labor that you went to college for that you're paying for still we are all part of the problem because we're not looking in the right direction and we're not holding the people accountable who dictate these things and who have people working for slave wages and multiple people working in the same household just to have some sort of quality of life and not struggling from paycheck to paycheck. But the reality is, is that the majority of people who live in America fall below the poverty line. And they experience all of these things and we turn a blind, a blind eye to it. So with that being said, that's another reason, a very big reason. And it's that, that reason in itself is a huge umbrella that covers so many things as to why people are not having children, right? So it seems like I'm going on a tangent here and I don't have a point, but believe me, I do have a point. We're, we're coming, we're circling around here. So, you know, talking about the minimum wage and the, you know, the factory workers who are currently making those wages and punching down at the poor and why that's the wrong move. Um, why we're not looking at the people who are dictating these wages and who are deciding these things. People who, are, who have multiple homes who are living in mansions, who own this money, and it's, you know, this small, small, tiny percentage of people, and these umbrella companies who own, I mean, just the web of companies that they own, these popular brands, and just how it's all funneled into, like, all of these, you know, this little group of, like, corporations. It's insane, which, you know, that's a whole other thing. We could go into that at another in another podcast, but... Um, that's another reason why millennials aren't having kids while we're seeing this, uh, replacement birth rate lower than it's ever been. And then we also have something like, um, the Me Too movement, which I mentioned earlier, where we were kind of in this weird state, like before and during the pandemic and even after the pandemic where people were restless for the first time in a long time, poor people and the working class, they had time to relax, they had time to think, and they had time to breathe. And there were a lot of things people started to take notice of, such as the poor minimum wage and the fact that you can't live off of it, the Black Lives Matter movement and the injustice happening in those communities, and then the Me Too movement with women and you know this power dynamic and you know staying silent when a man makes a pass at you or a woman makes a pass at you or someone in a position of power makes a pass at you and feeling like you have to deal with it you know and I think that a lot of people thought with women that the fight was over that women are equal you know a lot of times I hear when there's still women advocating for um, better wages and, you know, for sexual harassment, sexual assault and rape and all this different stuff. 
Lord, the, uh, I, I also want to tell you guys that this uh, podcast is is sponsored by uh no this this podcast is not going to be sponsored by anybody um i may need to do like a trigger warning in the beginning of this because i really do not i know that some people are you know i'm using a lot of words that a lot of people typically don't use but i think it's very important that this is these are big adult issues we cannot censor these issues anymore okay (sighs) anyway um no, when it came to the Me Too movement, I think that's really where this animosity um, with men started to really amp up. And really, especially like, and I hate to say it, but you know, a lot of these entitled white men with the podcast, they're just getting out there and they're, oh, well, I, I don't want to fuck a fat bitch. No one asked you. No one cares about your opinion. Shut up. We've been listening to you forever. We don't care about your stupid fucking opinion. We got to hear it all the time. You've you've been talking. You know? Sit down, shut up, and let someone else talk for once. You know? Whether it's, you know, a person of color, or it's women, or, or trans people, or, you know, the gay community. Whatever it is. Sit down and let someone else fucking talk for once. And the issue is that with a lot of these voices of these men who have these podcasts and they think they're having these revolutionary thoughts about, you know, their opinions as if someone cares. And it's the same thought over and over again, the same type of things they want to talk about, about how their woman shouldn't have social media and she's cheating if she does. And, you know, just all these, just, oh my Lord, Lord, give me strength. Lord, give me strength. Let me reel it back. Okay. But, you know, these men, they, they talk and it's just like, you know, we're tired of hearing it, but their voices are so loud and their voices and they, they encompass everyone else's voices. Their voices are loud and they talk over these other voices that are trying to get out. And when the Me Too movement happened, I think that a lot of men got scared. Well, I know a lot of men got scared, you know, I mean, I watched numerous um, interviews and stuff like that about celebrities making jokes about being nervous. Uh, and it's like, you know, if you did something wrong, you have a right to be nervous. You should be nervous. And I think that's where all of this started, where women were becoming too liberated. They were becoming, um, they were having too much of a voice. They were getting too much support, you know, cause for the longest time it was like, oh, we gave you the right to vote. You know, we, we let you work. You're independent. You, you can get your own job. You don't have to stay with your husband forever. You can wear pants. That's enough. But it's not enough. And it's never going to be enough until women are able to have the same power as a man. It's never going to be enough until there is equality there. And we put things in place, more importantly, that like, uh, you know, like... um, Certain communities and certain demographics are going to need more help than others in order for them to be equal, if that makes sense. So not only can we, we, we can't just talk about equality, but we have to put those things in place for people who are more disadvantaged than others. So they can have the opportunity to be equal by giving them the things that they need. So, um, I think though with the Me Too movement, that's when we started to see, the animosity ramp up and, you know, this big divide between men and women and, you know, women's leaning into their, more into their sexual liberation, leaning more into calling men out on, you know, 
They're bullshit. And saying no and saying I'm not going to do this anymore. And men feeling like they're being, you know, punched down at. Or, you know, um, whatever you want to call it. Bullied or whatever. But at the end of the day, it was just women finding their voices. These things that they've tolerated for so long. And it's been a cultural norm for them to have to tolerate it. And they're saying no more. And I think, you know, that combined with the pandemic... And, you know, all this restless energy and then we have people who are distracted, we're not paying attention, we've been apathetic to, you know, these whispers of things that could possibly, that might happen, you know, mixed in with the locusts that were supposed to come down from the sky and, you know, kill us all and that, you know, the government revealed that aliens were real. So there was all this stuff that we're supposed to be worried about. So I think eventually we just got tired and then you know, Roe versus Wade was turned over and people, I think all of us collectively just kind of went, oh shit, it happened. And we weren't prepared. Now, I'm not saying everybody, because I'm sure there are some really gung-ho people out there that have been fighting tooth and nail for this thing since they heard about it. But the majority of us, I don't think that we, we were hoping that it wouldn't happen and now that it has happened, we're devastated and we're having to react instead of being proactive, which is one of the biggest issues is that we weren't proactive. We were reactive. Um, so as far as going forward, there are going to be other laws that are going to be coming um, into play um, that are going to protect things such as birth control. Um the LGBTQIA plus rights, um, marriage, sodomy, <laughs> all this different stuff, um, interracial marriage and things like that. And I think the most important thing that we can do right now is continue to stay well informed, um, continue to raise our voices, even if it's a small podcast like this or a Facebook post or going to a protest Whatever the case may be, we have to, we, we cannot be apathetic anymore. We cannot turn a blind eye. We don't, we can't afford to be exhausted anymore. We can't afford to give them the benefit of the doubt anymore. We have to be on top of this. And, you know, more importantly, there's other things that need to go in place too, um, to send a message, you know, and I think that as a community, People are looking at those things and they're trying to organize and I, I think it's beautiful. Um, but in the meantime, all we can do is, is just stay informed. We don't take our eyes off of it. We don't let them pull the rug out from under us again. We use our voice because our voice matters and we continue to fight. We continue to inform and we continue to speak even when they want us to shut up or even when they downplay us and it doesn't matter if it's your husband your mom your dad it doesn't matter who it is you keep speaking you keep talking you stay outraged and don't let anyone tell you to shut up because your voice is important and for right now i know we're in the thick of it but I have faith that we will get through this and I have faith that we are strong, especially when we unite 
And I'm looking forward to seeing what will happen as this continues to unfold. I think that we all know something's on the horizon. And we just have to continue to keep our heads up and stay strong. So with that, I've been talking for about an hour now. And there was a lot of stuff that was covered. I'm sorry that this podcast was a little bit heavier than usual. I tried to, I wanted to make sure that we're not downplaying the severity of the situation. But I also know that sometimes it's nice to, you know, joke around a little bit and just have a little bit of a break since things are in such a state of disarray right now. Um, I plan on covering this. If you guys like if you if you would like that, I would definitely love to. I also wanted to cover the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard case. I'm not I'm gonna lie. But it's been put on the back burner because it's a little bit more important, I think, in my humble opinion. So, um, you know, maybe I'll just do updates like once a week. Um, because this is something I feel very passionate about. And hopefully this reaches people who feel passionate about it too. Also, I'm not a professional, so um, if I did get anything wrong or not quite right, um, I apologize. I'll continue to improve and try to get better. And I look forward to speaking with you guys again. I've missed you guys so much. Uh, it's been too long, honestly. And for right now, I think that I'm going to paint my toenails. Maybe eat some pork rinds <laughs> and edit this. Hopefully I can get it up soon. And if you have suggestions for future podcasts, please, please feel free to reach out. Um, I may be like setting up an email at a certain point and we'll, you know, take suggestions that way, possibly still trying to figure it out. But as always, it's been a pleasure talking with you guys and thank you for taking the time out and we'll see you next time. Bye.